your praise is always on our lips. Lord, as we think about what you've done for us, what you're doing in us, and the fact that you never leave us or forsake us, you're there. We praise you. We bless you at all times. We thank you, Lord. There's something wonderful that takes place inside us when we just simply say, Thank you, Jesus. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In everything, give thanks. So, Lord, we just want to say again, thank you today. Thank you. Yeah, we may be going through some tough stuff. We may be, have come through huge situations that have been very hurtful and even damaging. But, Lord, today we look to you. And we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for being there for us. For giving us beauty instead of ashes. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's... Yeah, let's thank Jesus this morning. He is wonderful. And let's give our musicians and singers a great big appreciation this morning just before you take your seats. Fantastic. Well, I've got about 25 minutes, 30 minutes, so the clock is ticking. Um, Thursday night's going to be a really important night um, here. We're going to meet seven, 7 o'clock uh, for a 7.30 start. We're going to be having tea and coffee to start, so please come along. Try, if you can, to make it a priority. We're going to have Pastor Chris Mickelson down from Hillsong Church in Surrey. And, um, you know, we've been building a, a relationship with uh, Pastor Chris and his wife for the last year now, and also with other leaders in Hillsong in London. Please, if you can, um, be there, uh, because we really believe that it's going to be a significant night. But on beyond this night, uh, we've uh, had the privilege of developing a relationship with Hillsong London and uh, Hillsong Australia, and we've got some great news coming. Woo! Fantastic! Maybe in the new year uh, we'll release that, but it's exciting. It really is. Hillsong London, um, through Pastor Ray's connection, has really just opened their, their doors and opened their arms and just, just literally uh, just said, anything that you need, uh, if we can give it to you, and if we can help you and train you and equip you, we will. So it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful privilege. So listen, if you can be here, we would really appreciate that, that you be here. Amen? Fantastic. Who's coming Thursday night? Oh, hey! Fantastic. Excellent. Well, uh, last couple of weeks we've been looking at Psalm 23. And again, uh, we're going to be referencing, thinking about that again this morning. Don't know how far we're going to get along. But um, I began to tell you over the last few weeks that Psalm 23, David wrote that psalm really at the, at the end of his life when he was an older man. 
he looked back possibly on 60 years of life and he reflected through this psalm not how he had served God, but how God had served him. In fact, in the opening line and in every, in, in every other line of the psalm, David reflects how God at every point of his life served him. His opening statement is this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall never want. I shall never lack anything. That's God being a servant to David. That's David saying to the world around him, listen, I know you might find this unbelievable. I know that you might find this unimaginable, but God, if he's your shepherd, if he's your Lord, is your servant. You will never want, you will never lack anything. Now, that's not to say that David didn't go through his lean periods. That's not to say that David didn't face want and lack and need at certain points. But at every juncture, at every situation of life, somehow, through God's sovereignty, somehow, God maneuvered David beyond the want and beyond the needs of life. Life is full of needs. Life is full of cares. Life is full of worries. But somehow, your shepherd will get you through. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm your shepherd. He demonstrated how good he is when he laid down his life for us. He demonstrated how much he loves you and me. He demonstrated his commitment to you and I when he went ahead and did the unthinkable, did the unimaginable, hung on a cross and said, it is finished. He finished everything, not for himself and not even just for God, but for you and I. He didn't say, you're finished. He said, it is finished. The work regarding your life is complete, is finished. Now, when you look at your life, you may think, well, it doesn't look very complete to me. It looks as if there's a a lot of loose ends. But as far as God is concerned, we have to understand, and it's not always easy to do it, that our lives are finished and complete. As far as God is concerned, there's a verse in Hebrews. It's absolutely incredible. It's been burning in me now for weeks. And the the writer to the Hebrews says this, For by one offering, referring to Jesus and what he did, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You are perfected forever before God. You really are. And it seems maybe so far away from how we behave. It may seem so far away from what we're experiencing today. But because of God and what he has done in Christ Jesus when he died on the cross, when he rose him from the dead, and when he seated him at his right hand, as a result of that, by that one offering, and everything that followed that offering, you have been made perfect. Now the Holy Spirit, the wonderful Holy Spirit is at your side and in you and around you, sanctifying, perfecting, bringing everything into being like Christ. Because we are being conformed to his image. God is not asking you to serve him. Although we do, God is serving you and serving me.
And David understood this as he went through Psalm 23, as he reflected over his life and as he saw all of the, the different events and circumstances and situations of his, of his checkered past. He saw how God had served him, how God led him through want. It was David that said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. Do you know what? You are righteous. Well, I haven't been behaving very righteous. Let me tell you something now. You are righteous on the basis, not on the basis of your behavior. You are righteous on the basis of what God has declared. On the basis of God's word. Your behavior cannot break what God has declared. And we've just got to start believing what God has declared. And I'm telling you something now. That stubborn behavioral problem, that stubborn habit will have to bow under what you believe. Because the word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. You've got an addiction. You've got an issue. You've got a problem that keeps cropping up. You've got a stubborn uh, issue that just won't let you go and you always feel condemned and you always feel guilty about that and, and you feel ashamed. You know what it's like. I'm telling you something now. Just bring it under the power of God's word. Bring it under a new belief system and it will bow. No matter how hard it's treated you. No matter how bad you feel about yourself. I'm telling you now, all we have to do is get a new belief system anchored in God's word. And every, every addiction, every issue, every habit that, that crops its ugly head up, bows down under the power of a new belief, God's word, in God's word. David knew that the Lord had served him so well. As he looked back over 60 years, he'd lived in a cave. He'd been on the run for his life. He didn't know where he was going from, from right to left on occasions. But as he looked back over 60 years of life, he says, The Lord, oh, he's my shepherd. I shall not want. I've never lacked anything, really, because he's been my shepherd. And then he goes on to say, he said, He makes me lie down. In green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. These words are famous the world over. They really are. We could say that Psalm 23 is like the front side of a beautiful tapestry. It's like the front side of a beautiful picture of David's life as he looks back. There's not a stitch out of place. Everything is perfect. There's bright colors. There's colors of, of every kind in this wonderful tapestry as David looks back over 60 years of life. And on every line, he remembers how God led him into a place of wonderful rest. Do you remember weeks or even a month ago, two months ago, I talked about entering into God's rest. Rest, this rest that God wants us to enter into is a supernatural place of life. It's a supernatural life that God has for us. He doesn't want you to worry about a thing. He doesn't want you to carry any anxiety. He does not want you or I to be depressed or fearful. 
in this world that seems so troubled. He wants us to enter into his rest, to step into it. And when you enter into God's rest, you don't ever have to come out of it. You don't ever have to allow the circumstances and the storms of life ever to pull you out of that rest that you've entered into. It's a wonderful, powerful, dynamic place of life. It really is. It's completely supernatural. And you and I have access to it. Enter the rest. There's rest all over this psalm. Read it when you go home. There's rest all over it. David is in a complete place of rest. Why? Because he's not serving God, but because God is serving him. I shall not want, he says. And then he says, you make me lie down in green pastures. Do you know sometimes you have to be made to lie down? When you've only ever lived in a state of works, when you've only ever lived with a, with a mentality that says, do you know what, I've got to clean my life up the best way that I can. I've, I, I've got to stop doing this and I've got to start doing that. And you get on this whole monotonous program of trying to please God and, 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 and make your life better. And it, it's, it's really hard work. And you pray more and you read your Bible more, but you get even worse. Because do you know what? Prohibition accelerates desire. And if you prohibit me to do something, if I'm weak in that area, then yeah, I'll want to do it more. It triggers something within my flesh, within my nature, to go out and do it more and to work harder. Paul did this. Paul found this out to be the case in Romans 7. He said, the things that I want to do, I can't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I'm doing all the time. What's going on? But God, you see, when he deals with all of that stuff in our lives, he brings us into a place of rest whereby you rest and you realize, hey, he's done all the work. He's done it all. He's done it all. And David reflects and he understands that God had been serving him all the way through his life from the moment that he'd walked in the pasture killing bears and lions. God had delivered him there. He'd been his shepherd back there. And all the way through the checkered road that he'd been on, the ups and the downs and the, the, the heights and the lows and the, 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 the mountaintops and the, the pits, Wherever he'd been, God had been serving him. And the message is today to you and I, do you know what? You ain't got to work anything out. You haven't got to worry about anything. God's for you. He's not against you. And he is serving you. Yes, you may be serving him, but I'm telling you now, he is serving you. Remember what we said? Jesus said, I have come not to be served. I've come to serve you. Doesn't that blow your mind? That he has come to serve us, you see. Well, I went out last night. On my little bike. With my little light on, up the mountain. Oh, it's lovely. 
put my little light on, and I was pedaling up the mountain. And do you know what I noticed? I saw my little friends up there, all those little sheep. But I tell you now, right? I could see they, they weren't their usual selves last night. Serious. I didn't know what was going on. I thought, what? They're not, they, they seem a bit out of sorts today. What's going on? And then I realized Wales were playing Australia. <laughs> now, I didn't watch the match, but I thought, hmm, there's something going on with these little sheep. They're not happy. They're not a happy little flock here today, tonight. Of course, Wales lost. Do you know what? They should bring back George Best, boy. Kevin Keegan, he was great in the Welsh squad. The Pontypool front row, JP, JPR Phillips. Cole, Pontypool front row, Gareth Edwards, bring him back. But do you know what? As I was going up there, the Holy Spirit said this to me very clearly. And if you don't get anything else today, try and let this sink in. He said, tell my people. And he was talking to me as well. He said, tell my people. Their problems are not their problems. I said, wow. I like that, Lord. He said, and then he, he just began to explain it logically to me. He said, you see, Dave, he said, your problems are not your problems because your life is not your own. You see. If your life is not your own, then your problems are not your problems, are they? The Bible says very clearly in 1 Corinthians 6 that you have been bought with a price. You are temples of the Holy Spirit. Your life is not your own, and therefore your problems are not your problems. Peter says that, that you were bought with a price, not with things such as silver and gold, perishable things, but by the precious blood of Jesus. Now, we may have problems, but they're not our own. So you can rest even in the darkest hour. And yes, your soul may be aching and your soul may be in pain and you may feel ripped apart. But your shepherd says to you this morning, your problems are not your problems because your life is not your own. The Apostle Paul knew this and he had huge problems, life problems. But did he not say, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. Your problems are his problems. I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, he said, and this was years ago, and, and little by little, he keeps on reaffirming things to you that he's spoken to you maybe previously in years past. I remember him saying very clear to me one day, he said, Dave, he said, do you know you don't have any problems? And I looked at him. I didn't look at him. I said back, I said, Holy Spirit, are we looking at the same life here? He said, yeah, we're looking at the same life. He said, you don't have any problems, son. He said, 
You just have opportunities. He said, it, because I'm in your life, you don't have problems, but you have opportunities for me to be what I need to be to you to get you through. And that's how God looks at life and our lives and circumstances. And that's not to undermine or underplay what people go through. I, like Faye said, and like Denise said this morning, there are huge things sometimes that we go through. And God isn't distant. He, he isn't far removed from all of those things. But He wants you to know that He is near as your shepherd. And He wants to assure you again this morning. You don't carry any problem on your own. Your problems are not your problems. Your problems are His problems and His concern. And that's why when we really do start to understand that and believe the promises over the problems, that's when we start to enter into the rest and the peace that God has for us. David said, he makes me lie down. Do you know, in the original Hebrew language, the picture is quite amazing. It's of a shepherd taking hold of a sheep and forcing the sheep to the ground by making it willing. You know, sometimes we can be on a treadmill where we're working and working and working, and we can't get off that treadmill. But the shepherd leads us because God doesn't want any single one of us to be exhausted mentally, exhausted physically, exhausted in, in, in our soul or our mind, where we, just felt, where we just feel burnt out. Now, that doesn't mean that we just hang around and do nothing because that can be equally as bad. But God sometimes has to take us and he has to force us down by making us willing and he causes us to lie down in a green pasture. Do you know the house of God, the family of God of which we are is that green pasture. I love it. You know, God brings us into a green pasture. It signifies life. God causes us to lie down in a place of life. It's wonderful. God doesn't cause us to lie down in law. Jesus, it says, it says of Jesus that he abolished the law. He annihilated the law. He took all of the Ten Commandments. He fulfilled them himself so that we wouldn't have to be troubled by them anymore because we couldn't even fulfill or keep one of them. We broke every one of them the moment we were conceived in our mother's womb. And that's a fact. So Jesus took it upon himself. Law will never allow you to lie down. Law will demand that you work. Law will demand that you exert effort. Law will demand the sweat of your brow. Law will demand a, a, a re religious ritual for you to fulfill in order for you to feel better, in order for you to present something before God that you think is acceptable. It will never be acceptable. God says, just lie down in a green pasture. Just rest. I'll serve you. You don't have to serve me. Just lie down. And you lie down in that lush, green pasture of a local church that's not whipping you and, and asking you to do this, that, and the other and critiquing your personal life. Do you know sometimes, you know, it feels as if maybe preachers or, or people 
Do you ever feel critiqued by people? Well, have you been doing this? Have you been doing that? And I'm doing this. And when I pray, God moves heaven and earth for me. Does he move it for you? And you feel belittled. You feel under the gaze of of a religious spirit that's not from God. People critique you. And in a situation like this, a church, historically... You know, people, uh, the church, the family of God have been beaten with, with God's word. And it's been misused, misrepresented. Do you know what? Our, one of the main slogans of this house is, there's no place like home, welcome home, come as you are. This isn't a place where we begin to critique each other's lives. What kind of home would that be? This isn't a place where we we try to dig up the past or where, where we try to look at people's private life and personal life. Now, if you need help with your private life, we comfort others with the comfort that we've received for our own personal life. But we don't start critiquing people. Can you imagine now? If me and Faye invited you to our home and we said, listen, we'd love you to come. You, you knock the door, you turn up, and then, you know, before you step over into the house, I come up to you and I say, well, you can take your shoes off before you come in here. I've got no problem with people taking their shoes off in the house. I've got no problem with people wearing their shoes in the house. But just imagine if you came to my house to relax, to rest, to enjoy relationship, if immediately I began to throw the rule book down and say this, that, and the other, you can't go in the kitchen, that's out of bounds, you stay in that chair, don't move, there's ornaments all around. Just imagine, I tell you, I, I guarantee it, right, you wouldn't waste your time coming again. And you would have every right, every right to say, my God, that's an awful welcome. It really is. It's full of rules. Rules don't work. Laws don't work. You can't put life in a box. I've tried it. Every time I've tried it, I tell you something now. It jumps up to bite you. I've I've, I've told you this one before. I'll tell you it again. And we're going to close in just a minute. Going to be on time this morning. Hallelujah. Do you know what? Remember an occasion I walked in the house. Faye and the kids were... Faye may have been picking the kids up, right? It was this year, actually. So it's a nice, new, fresh story. So um, I opened... well, I tried to open the door. <clears throat> what the? What the? What the blinking, Christian swear words? What the blinking, flipping is in this? Where is this door now? Impatience. <clears throat> and then I managed to kick the door open. And of course, it's everybody's shoes. Now we've got a shoe cupboard. Shoe cupboard. But of course... The Edwards house don't put the shoes in the shoe cupboard. We like to buy the shoe cupboard, don't we, Faye? We love to buy the shoe cupboard. Oh, aye, we got a shoe cupboard. 
Trouble is, we never use it. It becomes a book cupboard, a, a bicycle pump, an inner tube cupboard, and puncture repair cupboard, and everything else. But it's never used for shoes. The shoes are on the floor immediately. The Spirit of the law rises up within me. Right! Inside, this is what I'm like. Wait till they get home. I'm going to tell them. I am fed up. This is not the first time. And I'm the one always cleaning these shoes and putting them in that stupid cupboard. And then suddenly, I see my own shoes there. Oh, hallelujah. Oh. I tell you now, rules don't work. They don't work. I've done it. I've done it loads of times with Faye, right? She doesn't pull the rule book out. She's fantastic. I pull the rule book out. It's just a trait that he's helping me with. Hallelujah. Oh, let's clean these shoes up, Jesus. I'll do it again, Lord, as a servant. Put mine away first. Hallelujah. And then, you know, and I put the shoes in the shoe cupboard. Rules don't work. A couple of weeks ago, it was sunny outside, so Faye got the deck chairs out, as you do in early October. You know what I mean? And we were there just soaking up the rays. So anyway, we had a lovely time. And um, next morning, I opened the door. Deck chair's still out. Hmm. Deck chair's still out. So that means she hasn't put them away. But Dumbo by here... With the big ears and the big flashy eyebrows, bald in head, Dumbo by here has to put him away again. Right? So, anyway, hallelujah, keys for the garage, chairs in the garage, thank you, Jesus. But you see, when love isn't in your heart, it becomes a record of wrong. Bible says in 1 Corinthians that you don't keep record of wrongs. Love doesn't keep record of wrongs. But when, you know, because, you know, our lives are broken and, and we're trying our best to get through, <laughs> right? It becomes a record of wrongs. So then when we had a little, we had a little Barney then, I mean, it may have been, you know, the dishwasher wasn't empty or I, had done, I hadn't done something or I started barking at Faye. So then it, it comes up. Well, you, anyway, didn't put those two deck chairs away the other night. They were left out all night, and I had to open the flipping garage and put them in. She said, Dave, don't start. (laughs) No, gently. She said, don't start. Why? I said, because Dave... Remember two weeks ago? (laughs) I'm like the disciples, a forgetful hearer. Remember two weeks ago? When you got the deck chair out, you got one out. And you didn't leave it out for one night, you left it out for two. (laughs) Right? No, I didn't. I didn't do that. 
<laughs> yeah, you did, she said. Oh, you did. You did it, Dave. I didn't. And then slowly, the mind has a beautiful way. A beautiful way of just going back to that moment where the deck chair had been left out. Not for one day, but for two special days. And you know what? I had to say, oh, I'm sorry, Faye. See, law doesn't work. Rules don't work. In this house or in any house, it really doesn't. It don't work with your children. It doesn't work in relationships. This house, we believe, is not a place of law. We don't want it. We don't want it to be a place of law. Neither do you. We believe. And we would love the Lord to continue to do this. To make it a house, not of law, but of life. David says, said, you have made me lie down in a green pasture. In a place of life. Not in a place of law. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. A place of life. Jesus said, I've not come to give you a set of laws to follow. I've simply come to give you life. And life more abundantly. A life that is higher in quality, a greater quality of life than you, you've presently got. What kind of life you got today? Could it improve? I'm sure it could. If I ask myself that question, I'm, there's lots of improvement that I can take for my life. But I thank the Lord that I can be secure in the fact of this. He's come. Not to reveal a set of laws. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do that. So structured, almost like a straitjacket. He's not come to give me a set of laws, but he's come to give me life and life more abundantly. This place is a green pasture. And maybe for some of us, you know, we've only recently arrived and God's made you lie down here he's made you lie down this is a pasture for you to be healed to be made whole to be prospered to be welcomed home into God's family each and every one of us are valuable and precious we really are we really really are just lie down you haven't got to do a thing because it's all been done for you and for me. Don't have to work and run on a religious treadmill. Just chill out. He says, be still. It's all over there. It's all over the Bible. Just rest. Be still and know that I'm God. I'll sort it out. You say, yeah, but well, haven't I got to do anything? What about this habit? What about this... What about this addiction? What about these things I can't get under control? Don't worry. Your life's not your own. You've been bought with a price. Your problem's not your problem. Your problem's not your problem. It's his problem. 
If I go out tomorrow and buy a house, guess what? I'm the owner of the house. Not only do I buy the building, I buy all the problems that come with that building. But God, exactly the same, says, I'm buy, I buy all those problems. I buy all those addictions. I buy all of that sin and all of that mess and all of that weakness and all of that brokenness. brokenness. I buy it because I've got a huge, a huge amount of investment to make in it. And it's all in what he's made perfect in Christ Jesus. Amen. Simple. Very simple, but very powerful. You're the workmanship of God created in Christ. There's nothing you can do to add to his design. You are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. It is God that works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Rest, relax, be still, and know that he's God. Father, we thank you today. Words from your heart. Jesus, we love you. While our eyes are closed right now, you may be here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You may look at your life and you may have some very real problems. You may not have any at all. But you may have some real big issues, problems in life. Well, join the club whilst we're on this earth. There are some big giants to face. But I want to ask you right now if you would like to ask Jesus into your heart. If you would like to surrender your life to Jesus. Not to a man or or to any individual, but to Jesus. You want to surrender your life to Jesus. If you're here this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Finally, your life, your life search can end as you lie down in the green pasture that God's provided for you. I'm not talking about physically lying down here. It's a place inside where all of your worries and all of your cares are taken care of by Jesus. Yeah, but I can't see him with my eye. No, but your heart can connect to him by faith, by trust, by a call from within. He will come immediately. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my heart. I believe that you are alive you died for me you rose again I accept you as my saviour and my lord be the lord my shepherd I pray today amen now while eyes are closed if you prayed that prayer we've just got a little booklet for you would you lift your hand up if you're here this morning if you prayed that prayer is there one one person. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing before we go. Lord, we thank you today. We've heard your word. And like a sower, you have gone 
through this place, sowing seed into our hearts. We pray, Lord, and we thank you that your word is not like the word of a man, but your word is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you that when you sow seed into good soil, it will produce 30, 60, even 100 times beyond what has been sown. So, Lord, I pray for your people, and I declare that they are the blessed of the Lord. They are the righteous. They are the, the, the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. You are a wonderful shepherd, and we worship you. Lord, you are a wonderful shepherd, and you lead us through every issue of life and every situation, whether it's on the mountaintop, whether it's in the valley. We lift our hands. Lord, we worship you and we sing. We sing our praises of you because you are so real and so immediate in our lives. We worship you, Jesus. 